hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Not D&D. As always, I'm your host, Jessica, uh, from EN World Live, and with me this week, we have Nick joining us. Nick, thanks so much for joining. Hello, thank you for having me on. So this week, uh, we are talking about uh, Colossal, which is a solo uh, TTRPG adventure. Um, if, you have, if you're listening, watching live, even, if you're watching live and have any questions, please put them in the chat and we'll happily answer them during the show. And if you're listening to the podcast, uh, any links uh, that we talk about, we'll put in the show notes so you can just click through on there. But... Nick, before we get started talking about um, Colossal and the game, I always like to dive into your background and history uh, with games. Um, so to dive into that, I'll ask the question I always ask, which is what was the first uh, tabletop role-playing game that you remember playing? Uh, oh, that's, yeah, that's a really good question because um, <laughs> it was it was not an official tabletop RPG, I suppose, okay. thinking about it. All when right. I was, maybe when I was like, between the ages of like maybe eight to 14 kind of me and my brother would kind of make mazes with like puzzles and like, uh, and things okay. to solve and things for mm-hmm. each other. Um, so I would draw a maze and I'd have monsters in it and puzzles and, and rooms and things like that. And maybe a okay. boss at the end or whatever. And then we'd have mm-hmm. some dice, but we wouldn't really know what we were doing with those. Uh, okay. because we never, but they were there. We never, <laughs> they were there. Yeah. They were definitely there. Yeah. Maybe okay. they were a paperweight. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there would be this sort of like, mm-hmm idea that I would essentially be the DM and he would be exploring this this maze mm-hmm. I'd create and it would probably take him about 15 minutes to get through or he'd just get completely lost because it was fundamentally broken and okay. but we had so much fun doing this and then it would be his turn and he'd go and draw a maze or whatever and then um and then I'd have to go through that and we probably picked up whatever this the, what we thought we were doing was from mm. some somewhere. I think I I read a novel once as a kid that was about kids playing RPG games and stuff. Yeah. Um. And oh, my cat has arrived. That's oh, uh, we love cats. Surprise. No worries. Uh, this is Dashy. Uh, hi, hi Dashy. Been... Welcome to the live stream and podcast. <laughs> Very well behaved <laughs> until suddenly then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I, I think I'd read about what must have probably been D and D, except I hadn't really picked up on that. And so mm. we did this sort of proto D&D thing, which we played a lot as kids. And, and that sort of birthed the beginning of realising that you can have these adventures and uh, in your imagination, in your mind. Um, and then it wasn't for years until I properly played a, a tabletop RPG. And it was D&D. It was, that was my first introduction to it. Um, yes. But then subsequently, I've played a couple of other systems, which I've had mm-hmm. a great fun with. I've played... Um, urban uh what is it urban shadows which is part yeah. of the apocalypse system mm-hmm. i believe yeah and i've also played um i don't know if you've heard of worm which is sort of yeah it's really cool it was like it's like this um i think i backed it on kickstarter but it was like okay. it's like a paleolithic fantasy so it's like your it's like your cavemen uh but there's mm-hmm. like this this rudimentary form of magic in this sort of proto world okay. um and I don't really know why it's called Worm, actually, because there aren't I really was, any. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was thinking about the video game that when when we were younger, you know, Worms, which is where you like throw little minds at each other and stuff. Yes. I was like, I was like, is it going to be that as a role playing <laughs> game? <laughs> it's, it's completely not like that at all. Okay, no, cool. It's okay. um, yeah, I th- I think it's called Worm because maybe there was just I, I get this sort of sense of like legendary saga fable kind of stuff involved okay. with that word. But really, it's sort of like it's about this sort of Paleolithic um, early early proto man fantasy, and I that was my first experience being a dungeon master was on this brand new brand new system, which was a two d six system, and it's actually su- it's super cool. It's like a it's a really interesting place to play, and, and I I don't think enough uh, fantasy plays around with that sort of really really 
prehistoric kind of setting, which is really, really fun. And, and uh, we did it. We did actually as a little podcast that we do as part of oh, cool. Big Punch Studios, which is something, uh, yeah. a, a collective I'm a member of, which I'll, I'll talk about later. But yeah. um but yeah, that was my first experience uh, DMing um, or GMing, I suppose, in that context. And um, it was great. It was really, really good. So I've played a few different systems. and But the one I've mm-hmm. probably sat the most in with is D&D, which I know is probably not the right thing to talk about on this podcast. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, we don't hate D&D on this. Like, no. I, I, play, I play D&D, work for Ian Publishing. We made Level Up Advanced Fifth Edition, which is using that engine at its core. Uh, but it's just there's so many other great games, which is what we there have is, to talk about. There is. That's exactly um, it. It's so interesting you say that from the beginning your first experience was creating um like a, a dungeon or an experience for someone else to then kind of do on their own because that just seems like the introduction to solo rpgs and so for you creating that now it makes perfect sense because it's like where you started so it's like <laughs> nice and cyclical about that story um but, but talking about your background as well because you mentioned you don't just uh do role-playing games you've got big punch studios and also your background in kind of comic books uh, could you talk us through kind of that and how you ended up being somebody that makes games for a living because a lot of people listening to this are probably thinking I have an idea I would love to be doing that how <laughs> I do that how did you do that Nick yeah doesn't it doesn't, doesn't everyone say that everyone's got a book in them well maybe also maybe everyone's got a game in them I don't know yeah. um yeah probably. yeah but um well I started out um all, all I've really the most the most focused um thing I've ever really been or done is is drawing that's always been my my main line passion mm-hmm. and love um so many other things came and went in my life and the only thing that ever remained like truly consistent was was the want to draw and the want to illustrate things and to create mm-hmm. things and it was so often it was so weird because even when I was younger I often saw it as um I'd, I'd I remember <laughs> this, is, this is a weird anecdote but I remember going to the natural history museum as a kid and then coming home from it and thinking what I want to do is make my own natural history museum this was this was usually like my okay. whole kind of this is like my mindset where I see something that I really like and I'm like I want to make my own version of that somehow okay and and so what I ended up doing was we had loads of massive cardboard boxes because we just moved mm-hmm. into our new house and I just ended up lining them all up in a sort of snake and then just drawing on the inside surfaces of all of these boxes uh nice. with all the exhibits of the museum mm-hmm. and then if you cross crawled through you essentially explored this and uh, this 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 anecdote has a point which is that basically all these different things I would try all the time they would always mm-hmm. boil down to in some way or another I would be drawing and I'd be illustrating mm-hmm. something yeah so that very much became like what I knew was my sort of thing what was my calling in a way yeah um and so I, I ended up doing illustration at university I got a degree in illustration um and then went on to uh work essentially freelance um, and mm-hmm. also very much found like comics uh, I'd always been reading comics when I was younger they could mm-hmm. take me to fantastic world sci-fi or fantasy um, I absolutely loved them and I thought they were a great way to build worlds and I realized that the most consistent thing again with with what I, how I was applying my artwork was always that I wanted to create worlds that was that was something that seemed so consistent I thought what better way is there to build a world than to tell a story in it because then it comes to life mm-hmm. yeah and and comics were, were a great vehicle for this so I, uh, you know, up until very recently, I've had uh, a day job alongside everything I've done creatively, mm-hmm. thankfully and incredibly, and mostly thanks to Colossal, I am now full-time uh, doing all this cool stuff. Amazing. But um, back then it was very much like in my spare time, I was making comics, I was doing some freelance work and um, yeah, just just doing my best to sort of try and get myself out there while at the same time doing really only what I loved. And the freelance thing didn't really mm-hmm. gel for me, I think, because 
I was doing commissioned work for other people and mm-hmm. I, I most more than anything my head was just full of like these incredible weird fantasy worlds and things that I wanted to put out into the world instead so I ended up meeting a group of like-minded people and we formed uh, Big Punch Studios we, mm-hmm. we we all met through essentially through the con scene amazing um, and and we created this sort of banner to 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 self-publish our own comic books and stuff um and then the the sort of growth of that scene the the, the comic convention scene which is where we where we met and where we sold all our stuff mm-hmm. that grew into being so much more than comic con just comics at the conventions it was of course all nerdery all geekeries and, yeah. and games started to be a major part of that world and i started mm-hmm. meeting people who were developing their own games and they needed illustrators to do that and i had sort of made a little bit of a name not a big one but a little bit in, in the sort of uk indie comic scene a mm-hmm. uh, few people got in contact with me and i started doing quite a lot of of sort of uh, freelance illustration work but on board games and mm-hmm. I started to realize, ha, huh, there's a whole thing here. <laughs> like, it's funny how I hadn't really thought about making my own games before that point, despite enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I was sort of guided in by being hired to, to do this stuff and started to realize how accessible it was to, and how democratic mm-hmm. it kind of was to, to make games, even for us, like, you know, mm-hmm. one or two, two size teams or whatever. So that was really, really inspiring for me. And then I started just thinking, well, you know, what if what if I could do that too? What if I didn't need to be just the illustrator? What if I could do the whole shebang kind of thing? I, I had an understanding and a care for how games were built and how they functioned. And so I thought maybe I could give it a shot. And and, and most importantly, I think I realized that they are such a pure exercise in world building as well, and particularly mm-hmm. RPGs. And that was when yeah. that that nugget of an idea got under my skin. I realized that I've sort of gone full circle here, and I've come back around to realizing that I can build worlds in a completely different way, but still applying all the same skills that I've already built. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that basically led to to Colossal being born. Colossal was going to be a comic for years and years and years. I had that oh, title, okay. and I mm-hmm. had that world in my head. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't have a story. I had so much about the world and I had like the greater law and like the, what the colossal is, how it formed, what the end of the whole story would be. I knew all of that and I still know all of that. And that's all still mm-hmm. true to the game I've made now. Um, but I needed that feet on the ground, you know, characters going about their business sort of story. And I just didn't really have all of that gelled. Mm-hmm. Um and then I discovered solo RPGs. I realized mm-hmm. that there's an even tighter place that I could sort of play around mm-hmm. with an idea. And and the rest is kind of like, yeah, I put it all together. I made something. And amazingly, people really, really responded to it. It was it was just so cool. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, the artwork in it is amazing. So, as you say, all done by yourself. So your skill set and background really shows through. So if you're watching the live stream, you can see the the pictures on it now. And in the show notes, we'll put some links for the podcast. so You can go take a look on the website as well to see what we're talking about. Um, What sort of inspirations were there for the for the art? Um, Because very distinct art style, very beautiful, epic, big worlds and really magical and also a bit weird because of the idea of the setting there's something a bit mysterious about it and grand uh, so yeah what, what was the inspiration for your for your art references in this well thank you that, that yeah it's very complimentary that's that's literally everything i was hoping to achieve with it all so that's really cool mm-hmm. um lot uh yeah lots of inspirations i'm a i'm a huge fan of animation and video games as well Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my personal visual style was massively influenced by things like Studio Ghibli movies mm-hmm. and and the whole like um, visual 
sort of brightness that Legend of Zelda games bring to their adventures as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, particularly recently with the with the with the big two, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom as well. But, I've not um, played the new one yet, but yes, I've heard. Have yes, not. <laughs> I'm not, I'm no, not. no, not a chance yet. Every <laughs> I, everyone on social media is talking about it though because they're like, oh, I I'm playing it, it's so good, but I've missed out. But yeah, so sorry, you just panged a bit of jealousy in me there. I was like, <laughs> played that. But yeah, carry yes. on. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so there's um, a reference as well. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So it's that it's that really colourful, bright adventure that I really, mm -hmm. really like. Um, we've got we've got more than our fair share of the grim, dark, gruesome, cast in shades of grey kind of fantasy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally I sometimes can really love that. And I think yeah. I, I think it, there's more than a place for that. And, and mm -hmm. for some people, that's their preference, too. Mine's very mm -hmm. much the opposite. Mine's very much the sort of brightly coloured. That's not to say the stakes aren't still high. And the adventure is still as as exciting, but I just really love a lot of colour in there, um, yeah. and and a, and a slight cartoony flavour as well. I think that brings characters and emotions like so much higher to life. I think as well, uh, everyone isn't just a brooding vampire killer. You know that <laughs> they they oh, might be yeah. scared, or they might be they might be afraid, or they might be you know jubilant or or whatever. I think that I think that could be really fun to add a lot of character to things. So mm -hmm. I my my background in my sort of inspirations of, of, of my artwork wanted to reflect that ability to be able to bring characters to life, obviously doing comics and stories and things. And then that ended up worming its way, I think, into Colossal. So yeah, it's that, um, it's that genuinely like cartoony animated vibe that I really wanted to give it. And I, I think like a uh, particular illustration you just had on the screen where, where mm -hmm. um, we've got a, a rook up in the clouds, um, mm -hmm. that slightly wambly Howl's Moving Castle kind of energy, uh, I, I really like, yeah. Yeah, definitely comes through in that image for sure. Um, so obviously talked about the game, it's, it's clearly, it's a very, very pretty game. The first time I saw it was at actually the UK Games Expo 2022 and I saw it on the stand and I stopped to have a look because of the cover. Um, and uh, I think you're at the UK Games Expo again this year as well. Which I is am, yes. yeah. This weekend. So if you're in the UK and going to the Expo, you can go have a look in person as well. Just a little plug there. I'm also there <laughs> as well, but we're not here to talk about that. Anyway, <laughs> talking about the Colossal. So we've talked about your kind of art inspirations, but let's talk about the actual game and, and the story. Perhaps, maybe is it worth, before we do the inspirations of the story, you giving like a little summary of what, what the game actually is, what the story is and what the world is? Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, so Colossal is a is a solo journaling RPG. So mm -hmm. uh, the the core conceit really is that you create a character and you get to uh, set out on an adventure to explore the Colossal, which is a castle that is so colossal that there are literal continents, oceans, mountains, valleys, cities within the rooms of the structure itself, mm -hmm. and there is no outside in inverted commas to the Colossal. If you find a wall. If you find a door, if you find a window, even in, in this in this insanely up into the heavens wall in front of you and it pass through that, however means you, you find a way, uh, you'll find yourself in yet another room. And it seems to be infinite rooms mm -hmm. in literally every uh, direction and even floors as well. There are floors above uh, okay. the floor you might start in. Uh, there may be a room with an ocean draining through a hole in the floor that pours a column of water down into okay. through the ceiling of a, of a room below it. Um, there may be a hole that allows you to look down and find yourself up in the clouds of a, of a floor below, that sort of thing. There are rafters up in the mm -hmm. heights of the rooms, uh, which are shrouded in clouds, but are a place you can actually explore in the game. And, uh, and yeah, and the idea is, is that it's your story. So the, mm -hmm. the game itself is, because it's a, um, uh, a journaling exercise, the game mm -hmm. provides uh, you with prompts. And the way it does this is it uses a playing card system, a standard deck of playing cards, 
that was a very deliberate choice because I wanted it to be very accessible to people. They might have a, sure. a deck of cards kicking around at home and then all mm -hmm. they need to do is buy the rules. Mm -hmm. um, and you, uh, depending on where you are in the game and in the adventure and in your story, you draw a number of cards according to your character's stats. And that dictates what your character discovers on that particular day of exploration. And uh, you are then faced with prompts. So they are as simple sometimes as just ruins or uh, a trap. And you can sort of decide to interpret that however you want. Or, or, or another character. Maybe you meet another adventurer on your okay. travels. Mm -hmm. um, and you're just faced with these prompts. And then it's up to you to sew those together. That other adventurer could be a friend or it could be a foe. The trap could be something you escape from or you are stuck in overnight. You know, it's completely up to you how you take these. The only mm -hmm. rule really is don't ignore any of them because they all happen to you in this, in this period of time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what's interesting about, what, what I hoped would be interesting and what ended up being interesting about that was that um, you will be surprised how inspired you get. <laughs> that was what okay. I really wanted. So rather uh -huh. than it just being, oh, I've just found ruins. Well, what, what are the ruins? Well, mm -hmm. before you've even stopped to really think that sentence out loud, you're starting to think, well, what if, what if the trap is in the ruins? What if the ruins themselves were built to be a trap? What if mm -hmm. this, the whole reason I think I'm on this quest was to explore these archaeological finds and it turns out that they're actually only there to trap me. And then suddenly you've just built this narrative in your head and mm -hmm. Granted, I'm like, you know, I have a background in telling stories and things. And, and, and mm -hmm. so maybe that sort of stuff comes naturally to me. But but incredibly and, and so hum humblingly, I've had so many people tell me that they felt that they didn't have any imagination at all and that they didn't have any ability to come up with this stuff. And yet uh -huh. they found themselves telling uh, stories more epic than they ever hoped that they would, which is mm -hmm. which is super cool. So. Um, so that was the hope. That was the dream. And that's how the game functions. And, and mm -hmm. you're keeping this journal as you go. And, and then there are some gruntier rules in there as well. There's there's the mm -hmm. combat system, which okay. is less um, just, uh, you know, d deciding how prompts uh, resolve themselves. But instead, there is literally st uh, stats with your character, number of attacks they can do on uh, during the battle, and the same for opponents that you fight as well. And, um, and yeah, resolving those attacks. But then they also all have flavor as well, so you can write up the battle afterwards mm -hmm. and, uh, and tell the story of your great victory or defeat. <laughs> Oh so, yeah, or defeat. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. very true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So, um, I think some people maybe like I'm. I've very recently started exploring the world of kind of um solo RPGs and journaling RPGs, and at first it seemed something uh, a bit bizarre to me because I was like, well, role playing games feel very like social to me. It's something I do with other people. So, so what is it people get from like a so solo solo RPGs and solo journaling RPGs in particular? So uh, that's actually a really good question because I think because I think this is one of the things I I didn't realize I was making the game for until after I'd made it and then I was like uh -huh. this makes so much sense that I made this game and the reason is I think that um, well f f firstly and most importantly I think the answer for how role playing works solo is is mm -hmm. literally how you write that journal so. Okay. Um, you could decide that you are a barely literate barbarian sort of character who, okay. who is sort of reluctantly keeping a journal, but maybe is only doing it because they want to leave a legacy of some kind. And so then you could write it in this very like scratchy bullet pointy sort of way. It's like, I defeated a rook today and, and I'm great and I'm a legend. And you play the game, <laughs> you play the game yeah. more to get through it and, and your journal is very light. Or maybe mm -hmm. on the other hand, you're, you're an aspiring poet and you think that your adventures are incredibly grand. And the joke actually mm -hmm. at the core of the adventures are that they're actually incredibly boring um but you write about them in such an overly flowery mm -hmm. way 
that you are bigging yourself up. So that's, I think, how you get some of that role playing energy in. Okay. But I think I think what um, is quite telling about like why why so the role playing why why mm-hmm. why a fundamentally social thing, which I agree, mm-hmm. I, I kind of perceived it that way. And mm-hmm. I, I think and and then maybe the reason that I ended up doing this was I suffer a lot from anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, something that I really struggled with in the early days of role playing was sitting at a table with loads of people who seemed way more confident than me, putting on these incredible yeah. voices uh-huh. and, and knowing exactly what their character would do in these really complex situations. Mm-hmm. And I, my first character I ever made in D&D, I deliberately made him incredibly naive. So he was he didn't know anything about the world yes. so that my own naivety of how to play the game would sort of come across in the character and I could sort of play Perfect. off as, <laughs> yeah. I did a very very similar thing so really? if you say that yeah so that's uh, yeah that's focused yeah. really deeply yeah mm-hmm. and in the early days of playing even for as long as like a couple of years in and this is no reflection on the group because because they were friends and they're, they're super cool people no one get put any pressure on me but I put a lot of pressure on myself <laughs> and and I would feel a little bit um anxious sometimes just go, just mm-hmm. going into the game and I think the beauty of solo role playing is it gives you the opportunity to have have that experience but with no pressure at all mm-hmm. because yeah. it's completely up to you how much you role play or how little you do but also you can yeah. start to learn learn the the process of it as well mm-hmm. and i've had a lot of people say that they've started role playing with solo rpgs and then they've moved into multiplayer rpgs because they felt oh, like they've, they've got an understanding of it or then mm-hmm. i've had people who said you know tabletop rpgs multiplayer rpgs they, they weren't for them but they found mm-hmm. that solo rpgs were because deep inside all of us we want to explore a fantasy world i think truly mm-hmm. But maybe not everyone feels that they can do it around a table with loads of other people looking at them. So, yeah, I think there's a place for solo RPGs in a way for, mm-hmm. for that, for those people who, who are desperate to, to have the fun, but, but struggle a little bit maybe with it. So, yeah. so there's that. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. And I think there's definitely there's people watching now leaving comments saying they've they started their colossal journey and are adoring it. So yeah, that and that makes perfect sense. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I think a lot of people before they do role playing games do have it's almost like a performance anxiety because you're like, oh, yeah. like, it's like doing a amateur dramatics, like doing a play in front of people, but it's improv, and I haven't, you know, it feels so. I completely relate to that. So it's a really that's a really good angle I hadn't considered. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, um, no, that's so, Talking about the game, um, so we, we talked about your inspiration for the artwork, but what was your inspirations for the actual kind of story in the world? Because like you said, it's this big, <laughs> epic, magical, mysterious <laughs> thing. Because uh, it sounds like your character at the beginning doesn't doesn't even know how it was made or where it came from or anything like that. So that's something you'll maybe exploring in the game. Where did your inspiration come for this story? Uh, that's a good question. I <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> In okay. a way, <laughs> um, it came to you in a dream. It, it came to me from somewhere. It didn't. It okay. definitely didn't. Uh, most of my ideas don't really arrive like complete. I don't think anyone's do really. To be fair, okay. um, but I had this. I had this idea for. I think <laughs> quite often I have an idea for a title or uh, or a word sometimes mm-hmm. first, and that can okay. lead to inspiration. So one of my one of my comics that I do is about a cat and a meringue who sail around in a catamaran. Um, of course course. and I wrote that joke that pun if you can even call it that before Mm -hmm. I had any idea who cat and who meringue were and what Mm -hmm. the hell they were up to on the sea and anything I didn't know anything about them but Mm -hmm. but that that name came first cat meringue came first because I thought it was funny and for all I know actually colossal and the way I spell it that like that yes exactly in Mm -hmm. the sense that I spell it like the word castle may have come to me and may have been something of a spark of an idea why why the colossal and castle what does that mean what's what's a truly massive castle how big can I go you know kind of thing and Mm -hmm. then 
I like to refer to rolling things around in my rock tumbler in my head. That's how mm-hmm. the ideas evolve. And I, I, I brush off the sharp edges, the bits that don't work, the bits that get in the way and hurt other ideas, you know. And then mm-hmm. eventually things are smoothed down and start to work together and then everything starts to shine. That's the kind of the analogy. And um, and I think I got there with Colossal, with this, with this idea of this massive structure um and then i started to have ideas about like the the deep deep law which is mm-hmm. how would a place like this even form uh, yeah. was it has it been there since the dawn of time or did something happen to trigger it into existence mm-hmm. um without spoiling anything i can tell you yeah. that it, it did something did happen and the colossal was born it wasn't there before um and okay. um and then i was thinking like how much do you give away you know like i've got yeah. all this this deep law idea now how much do i do I drop in? I was like, well, I want people to tell their own stories and maybe mm-hmm. I want people to have their own ideas of what the colossal is. And so I don't really want to inflict most of that deep law in, yeah. as it were, as it were, the beginning. When I first made the first uh, book of Colossal, I didn't have any grand aspirations for it being, even mm-hmm. it, it even has gone on for as long as it is currently, which is just really three years at the moment. But mm-hmm. um, it was it was very, very small, very, it was a 24-page black and white A5 little booklet a zine basically mm-hmm. that's what it was going to be yeah um and I really just tested the waters with that and just put it out mm-hmm. it was very very small and thankfully and incredibly like the response to it grew it but um mm-hmm. even then the idea was well I won't say I won't say all of that big stuff because I want people to just play the game and who knows I may never get a chance to say that stuff but now um thanks to the incredible support and the love that people have shown for the game i feel like i'm on a path now to gradually release more books as expansions and those expansions will introduce new areas to the colossal and mostly and most focusedly will will expand the game and make it more fun and take take the players mm-hmm. to new places but i will also use it as a vehicle to drip feed more and more about the world and hopefully the 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 plan is that the way i do that is that i don't get in the way of any stories that anyone else has come up with for their grand colossal journey. And if they've got an idea for what the colossal is, that's cool, that's valid, that's their canon, and mm-hmm. you can ignore my stuff. But if anyone wants to know, and I know some people do want to know the the real, the, the official answers, I guess, mm-hmm. then I will gradually drip feed those out. That's the plan. <laughs> Amazing. So on the screen now, we've got the kind of the original book, as it were, but there's actually three books. So could you talk us through the expansions for them? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that's book one. Um, mm-hmm. And that that contains in it basically what I consider everything you would need to play Colossal truly, um, and uh, is is the ultimate experience that contains the engine, contains the base lore and the and the mythos mm-hmm. of, of where you are and what this place is. And you could set out on an adventure, and you could you could play conceivably for as long as you want with just that that one okay, book. Okay, great. Um, but then, uh, as the first expansion and the second book in the series, I created the Roomlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Roomlands is intended as a sort of like base book plus kind of thing. So this is like more about the 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 base experience. So the things I add are less like incredible new places, but they're kind of variations or additional flavor on what was already in the base book. So we have stuff okay. like what's what's up on the rafters you know every room has rafters um Mm -hmm. but i couldn't fit all of this stuff into the first book so what's up there what how does it work with regards to different biomes different weather Mm -hmm. things like that um 
there, there are different kinds of rooms. So we have the, uh, the, like the tundra rooms, for example, which are these ice cold frozen over rooms that just have a completely different uh, survivalist kind of aspect to how you explore those. And I introduce sort of rules for that. And then uh, the capital city of the known room lands, which is basically mm -hmm. what I call the sort of like the kind of starting area where most players will begin their adventures, the, the okay, known great. room lands. Mm -hmm. um, and the capital city there, which is Parapet. And I wanted to build a sort of like, uh, a sort of what I call a fixed location, which is where mm -hmm. anyone who goes to Parapet, they're all going to the same Parapet. So yeah. although everyone's got their own story, they could mm -hmm. talk to another player and, and say, have you been to Parapet? And they'd be like, yes. And conceivably yeah. characters could meet, you know, if they wanted them to, but if they didn't want them to, then they don't have to. You know, it's fine. Yeah. So, so that was the kind of stuff I wanted to nail down the rest of Mm -hmm. the 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 sort of base book and so in a way Roomlands completes the the full base colossal experience with, with okay, the second great. half of that being optional mm -hmm. um and then the third book which is the one that we'll get into obviously in a minute but is currently mm -hmm. on kickstarter now mm -hmm. this is the first expansion where we literally go to somewhere completely new and explore a, a completely brand new part of the colossal and there's going to be a few more of these i've got some more planned um but this is okay. where Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is where not only does everything change visually, but everything change mechanically as well. And I'm okay. also trying to introduce like story arcs and stuff as well. So the key thing with Kaya Dino, which is book three, is that you are exploring a sort of Eastern themed part of the Colossal. Mm -hmm. So different areas are going to behave and have different cultures and different aesthetics and styles and things. Kaya Dino is that, that Eastern theme. And the, the reason that I came up with these ideas is because in our world, castles look different around the world. Um, yeah. And obviously, Colossal is entirely castle themed, both from the mm -hmm. castle itself that you're exploring mm -hmm. and also the rooks, the walking castles that you um, discover and fight as you're exploring. And I thought it would be so much fun to play with those aesthetic differences mm -hmm. um, in, in, the, in the game as well. So Eastern castles are radically different from ours, obviously, from I said, when I say ours, I mean like European um, castles. Yeah. Um, and so I thought it'd be really fun to get some of that energy and aesthetic in as well. So Kyodina, uh, not only adds a whole new uh, uh, new exploration uh, tables, new places to explore, uh, mm -hmm. and these new rooks to fight, which actually have slightly different uh, battle mechanics. Uh, mm -hmm. But it also adds a story, uh, okay, which is yeah. kind of optional again, but basically there's a story of a, of, of a some, somewhat evil empire who are ruling over Kaidina and the assistants, uh, and maybe the optional of whether or not you help to take that empire down and put the rightful empress back on the throne that's the that's the essence of the story there so you can interact with that story as much mm. or as little as you want but it's happening in Kaya as you're exploring so amazing yeah. um so you mentioned before the game is played via a deck of playing cards and you can just use the ones you have at home um but somebody has asked what about all the decks so I'm assuming this means <laughs> there are some uh that you can get that you've made Yes. Yes, that's right. That's, that's a good question, actually. Thank you, Matty C. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so there are other decks. Yeah, so the core game engine operates on a standard deck of playing cards, and that's just mm -hmm. your usual hearts, clubs, spades, and diamonds. That's what you'd expect to see. Sure. Um, but because um, because I just, I, I, I don't know, I just love cards, I think, and I just love, and I just keep having, like, random ideas for this and I and I, I just get so excited that I can't control myself. Mm -hmm. I also had the idea of introducing um what I call job packs or job decks, which are okay. an, an ability to have a specific job role in the Colossal. And these okay. decks uh, are essentially mini expansions, but rather than being an expansion that says, hey, this is a whole new area of the Colossal to explore, or hey, this is a campaign story for you to work through. 
this is something that just bolts onto your character rather than the world and enhances what they are able to do on a day-to-day basis. So it's kind of like seeing it like your profession or your side quest. If mm-hmm. you, there are three job decks at the moment. So there is cartographer, inventor, and researcher, nearly forgot them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the cards are all completely unique in each of the decks. And they basically allow the function for let's say you take cartographer that allows your character to take on the role of being a cartographer and and that means like making maps and selling those maps in cities and towns Mm -hmm. and villages and things so it's like it's literally a way to have your character not just have their quest but also have a day-to-day purpose and a way to make money as well which although isn't a major part of the game could be Mm -hmm. made into a major part of your character's story potentially like you know, if you don't have money, then you can't get robbed. And being robbed is kind of a fun thing in a story. So, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so there are other decks and they are, again, completely optional, but they mm. are uh, mini expansions, as I like to call them, or job decks, which which add to your character's purpose in the Colossal. Amazing. Um, speaking of characters, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, characters and different classes. I know there's those sorts of things in the game. So when we go to create a character, um, mm. what does that look like? That looks like um, I try to keep it quite light in the game uh, mm-hmm. because I wanted you to get playing and and statistic uh, stats wise uh, Colossal is quite light as well because it's quite a it's quite a mm-hmm. simple way to play the, and get into playing the game. But basically, sure. the way it works is you are faced with uh, creating your character's sort of calling and nature. So. Mm-hmm. Again, the the book helps you either choosing from a table or, or choosing at random by drawing a card, and it will give you a calling. Calling mm-hmm. is your reason for stepping out into the colossal. So this could be okay. as sim- as simple as finding a relative who's gone missing, or it could be as complex okay. as um, you know taking down an evil empire or something like that. Okay. Um, whatever you want it to be, basically, is mm-hmm. your calling. And the calling is an important keyword because sometimes in exploration tables, it will say you'll you'll pull a prompt, and the prompt will be advance your calling, and it's completely okay. up to you how you advance your calling. But that's an opportunity or a moment to have a big plot point for your character. So, for mm-hmm. example, if your calling was to find your brother who had been kidnapped and was missing Mm -hmm. if you pulled a advance your calling prompt you would maybe have an opportunity to find a clue as to his whereabouts or potentially Mm -hmm. meet one of the kidnappers or find someone who saw it happen or something like that and it's Mm -hmm. an opportunity to make the story evolve at sort of waypoints kind of thing um so yeah building your calling and then your character's nature and that is to say what they're like you know are they jovial are they grumpy silly that sort of thing um build those two things that's their that's that's who they are that's what why they're doing what they're doing and then we get into the classes, uh, which is always the fun stuff in role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got four classes uh, in the base book of Colossal, and they are hinged around how your character essentially um, interacts with and battles in the Colossal. So everyone mm-hmm. in the Colossal uses technology that is from a um, harvested from a rook that they've defeated in some form or another. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, the humanity as it, as it exists in the Colossal really is just making use of the mechanical parts they harvest from rooks that they defeat. So mm-hmm. uh, ev- everything, technology, buildings, literally everything mm-hmm. they have is, is that. So we have four classes to kick off. We have the armed, and they have a literal rook arm grafted potentially to their back or to another part of their body that allows them to have multiple arms, which is kind of always good, um, yeah. <laughs> but also Handy. makes them... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Literally, in some cases. Um, Sorry, it's bad. But yes, <laughs> but they are they are typically fighters. Um, uh-huh. 
but they don't have to be. None of the classes are really locked into that necessarily, but there's, sure, kind, yeah. of a, there's kind of a leaning for each one. Uh, mm. The followed have a rookling that accompanies them. Rooklings uh, are little mini castle, li living castle creatures that live inside all the rooks. So okay. when you take a rook down, a small rookling is inside. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, in that picture, you can see a big rook behind that, uh, mm -hmm. that potentially is threatening our hero. Um, and then we have the helmed. They they take a piece of uh, a rook and they fashion it into something they can wear on their head. And this gives them access to the uh, rook's magical powers that it had uh, in life before it was defeated. Um, and then we have the mounted and they are kind of the inventors of this world and they build vehicles out of rook parts. So they harvest legs, wheels, cogs, you know, control sticks, whatever. They put those all together. Um, and they build a way to explore uh, and, and also to potentially fight as well. And the, the idea of all of these classes was to really give players an opportunity to just kind of run wild with what their character does. And, and, and mm -hmm. you can, you know, I've had people say they've built, they, they're, they're mounted and they ride a bike, you know, and it's like that's, that's made out of cog wheels or something. Yeah. And it's all made of stone and it's, it's fun stuff like that. And then because mm -hmm. uh, you can you can as the game progresses, the, the way you kind of level up is by acquiring more. Uh, you can multi-class essentially so you could be like for example you could be a followed and a mounted and I've seen someone uh, uh, on the discord uh, for the um, game actually and they are they have a sort of bike and then their rookling sort of locks into their bike kind of like r2d2 in an x-wing kind of thing um, and it's this is this this fun stuff you know I don't say anywhere in the book that that's something that they you know have to do or, or is even possible mechanically but they can come up with that because it makes sense kind of in the in the, the way it all mechanically Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. You mentioned the Discord there. I've just put a link into the chat for people watching live and there'll be links in the show notes for the podcast as well. So if anyone wants to have a look and, and join on there, the link uh, to join that Discord you mentioned uh, is there for you. Yeah, this really is really cool actually, the Discord. Like um just to, just a quick thing about that, but like mm -hmm. there's there's so many people in there and they share their artwork and they share their journals and everything. And I always point towards it as a place for people to like kind of if they've just got colossal or they're thinking about it, it's a it's a great way mm -hmm. to understand how people are playing it and there's no better way i think than seeing other people playing it and honestly mm -hmm. some of the artwork on there is just astonishing like people drawn it drawn their characters drawn their mounts drawn their 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 rooklings everything it's just so cool it's really really cool so the discord is definitely a place mm -hmm. to check amazing that that does lead me on to talk about i was going to ask next what if someone's you know kind of looking at the game and they want to get involved what advice do you have for people that are going to try it out for the first time obviously like you said going to the discord and having a look on there will be a great thing but what other advice would you have for people maybe if they're perhaps new to kind of solo rpgs in in general like how would what advice would you give um i would definitely say that um the game it, it's definitely a game at the very core of everything that it is but it is also mm -hmm. partly a creative writing exercise and mm -hmm. and somewhat a mindfulness one as well um and i think it's i think that's something i like to say to people when they're talking to me about whether they want to buy it or I'm selling it face to face or whatever. Mm -hmm. I like to say that because I think it's I think it's really important that they sort of understand fundamentally how this thing works. And it's it's like yeah. it's not like it's not like a video game. It's not like sitting around mm -hmm. a table for D and D. There are lots of other solo RPGs. Like like what Colossal does in that respect isn't unique. But mm -hmm. I think it's just I think it's something. It's good for people to know that there is a little bit required from them, whether it be inspiration, mm -hmm. imagination, or even just the act of writing. Um, mm -hmm. I have, I have in a very few instances, I've a few people go, oh, what, I've got to write. And that's kind of put them off. Um, and that's, you know, that's fair enough. It's not for everyone. So I think that's something that you've got to, like, have a love for in, in your heart. But could you that. could you do like a voice recording of it if you didn't want I to mean, write? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a really, really good point. Um, there, yeah. there really is there really is nothing in the rules that says it has to be pen and paper. Um, you could, I mean, that's a really cool idea. You could say, for example, your character finds the the magical ability to record sound. It, and, yeah. that, and that's only if you even wanted to make it like, you know, mm-hmm. law specific. You could just keep your diary with your voice you know yeah. there's there's yeah absolutely there's nothing in and that's mm. that I think that's a really good point as well because I, I don't want this to be um a barrier to anyone you know I want yeah. anyone to be able to see themselves in this world and to be able to play this game and mm. obviously if it isn't for them then then it's not for them and that's fine but it's like uh if if it even even slightly is I want them to be able to play it so yeah, yeah absolutely like I might start saying that actually to people now. this is a really good idea I could just well, say, I, yeah, it's just because I've wanted to get into solo RPGs for a while and I'm quite dyslexic. So writing for me is just like an effort. But I <laughs> I, I was doing one and I was like, why don't I just talk? Um, yeah. Cause that's normally how I get ideas out. And I was like, well, I can, there's nothing to stop me doing this and then I can record it. And then that's almost, you know, having something written is something that becomes a thing you have that can be really treasured. But then when you have an audio file of it, listening back. So if you listen to podcasts and do your stories that way, it's kind of listening back to your own little personal podcast. But, um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I like that. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so that, I'd say that that's great to So you could definitely do this game that way. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. what would be wicked about that as well is that you would sort of be semi-training yourself to to sort of think and talk in a storytelling mm-hmm. way on the fly, yeah. which is kind of what TTRPGs ask of you as well. So Definitely. if that was an angle you were going down where you were like, I want to get used to this before I get into a group and, and start talking to people around a table, that could be a really good way to do that. That's a really cool idea, yeah. There we go. There we go. Mm. I'll put that on the community Discord when I get around to doing it then. Um, <laughs> yeah. We questions from the live stream so if they've asked if there's any possibility of some posters for the artwork and i don't blame them for asking because like yeah the artwork is absolutely stunning oh thank you um yeah absolutely yeah there's that's something i have been wanting to explore and it's just a question of like working out how really but i actually mm-hmm. have um that image you put up on the screen a minute ago of the the girl with the rook behind her in the field that's the one mm-hmm. yeah yeah um that i actually have a huge stack of prints of that like ready to go and i okay. just i just haven't yet worked out logistically how i am going to ship those without them just getting you know tattered in the post or whatever but no it's really something i would like to do and actually i think a couple of people have asked something similar both on the discord and on the kickstarter Mm-hmm. um about that being a potential reward like like posters or prints or something like that so mm-hmm. to hear it again makes me think people quite like that so maybe i'll think about that for sure definitely yeah. um yeah so you mentioned people can get in touch with you obviously via by the kickstarter or via the yep. discord um it looks like somebody in the chat mentioned a patron as well that you have would you like to yes yes the Patreon is awesome as well. Yes. Yeah, so there's there's a dedicated group of people on the Patreon who are super generously and kindly supporting the creation of um, basically the future content that ends up forming the books I was talking about earlier. So everything that gets uh, serialized on the Patreon ends up after a fair, fair amount of time because books take a while to make. Um, mm-hmm gets collected into books so basically both Roomlands and Kaya Diner existed previously as monthly modules and so the way I do it is I construct the modules and thereby the book in a way that makes them sort of semi-playable as they're coming out so it's okay. like you're literally on the front line of exploration in the colossal and discovering things so it, early access it, yeah exactly and it, it's kind of like like what well, I, I like to sort of think of my patrons as though they're like they're like pioneers. They're the ones who are pushing the front lines forward. Okay. And then when they've explored these lands, we get them mm-hmm. and we put them in a book and we give them to everyone else. And now those lands are available for everyone else to explore. So the patrons really are the guys at the at the front line <laughs> kind of pushing it out. And so, yeah, every mm-hmm. month 
they get um, a brand new, uh, usually between five to 10 page uh, digital PDF module, which ha- which will have new artwork in it and it will have new rules and it'll, it'll just push their adventure forward a little bit. And I think a lot of them mm-hmm. tend to, a lot of them are super kind and they're just there to support me as a creator, which is wicked cool. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of them are, are sort of like, they wait for a few to come out and then they like take the plunge into it. But I think some of yeah. them are literally playing them as I'm releasing them, which is, which is, really cool so yeah okay. the patron the patron is 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 amazing and the patrons themselves i can't thank them enough they're wicked fantastic and i guess the link to the patron account is on your website um on colossal.com it absolutely so, is yes great yes. i'll put that put that in the chat and in the show notes so people can go have a look there if they are interested in being on the front line of exploring um <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming near to the end uh, of our of our time here is there anything you would like to kind of share or brag about the game any questions i forgot to ask you about or um i don't think so well there i suppose there is one thing and and, and people mm-hmm. keep telling me nick you need to you need to be less quiet about this and you shout about it but this I'm, is the I'm time. very this is the time here we go yeah, yeah. so uh, this is the beginning of me getting better at this i am mm-hmm. very i'm very honored to say that i won an any for um for colossal Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So last year I uh, I was actually nominated for six, I think it was in the end, mm-hmm. uh, in the 2022 Any Awards um, for the, the base book of Colossal. And mm-hmm. um, I was in for a few categories. And incredibly, uh, because I was nominated for six and because I was just mm-hmm. so blown away by the, you know, because the scale of that nomination, it's really, it's really quite up there with, with RPG mm-hmm. Awards. Yeah, so yeah. I, I decided to take take a real plunge and I flew out to Indianapolis for Gen Con for that year because I thought, well, if I win, I'd love to be there and receive it. And then, of course, the longer I was out there, the more I realized the pressure I kind of put on myself because yeah. I've done all of this like last minute because you find out so late as well that you're nominated. and It's like only weeks before the show. Mm-hmm. And I had to do everything so hurriedly. And so obviously the flights weren't especially cheap because I hadn't been mm-hmm. able to book them in advance. So I'd done all yeah. this stuff and my wife came out with me because she's amazing and has been so supportive mm-hmm. of literally everything I do. And and we were there together and we were sitting there in the audience as things were being announced. And I was like, if I don't win anything, then, then what <laughs> you know, what have I done? I've flown halfway around the world. <laughs> yeah. Of course I shouldn't think like that. And I was constantly telling myself, it's not about that, it's about being here. And I talked to loads of wicked cool people and everything. Sure. And then astonishingly i did win gold on on one of them i won gold for for rules um which is a pretty cool thing to win for uh since that's kind of a the whole thing of a game in many ways mm-hmm. um <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah I, went, I went up and i got my i got my medal and everything and it was honestly just so so incredible to be recognized for for something that i i had really poured my heart into and really made the best i could do and i believed in it both from an artistic and uh writing and design mm. perspective I really thought I'd made something good and then for someone to to give you an award for that is is just absolutely huge and then I, I didn't need to but at that point I was like this was all worth it you know I'm so glad I flew out for this mm-hmm. and everything so so yeah that's pretty it's pretty special and uh like I say people always say Nick you should shout about your any more and, yeah. and so I should so here we you go definitely here, that's should. Yeah, well, Russ, uh, EN World uh, founder and owner, started up the Ennies exactly for that reason, for to just give people, you know, a platform to to talk about their games and to to get recognition and for just people in the industry to say, hey, you made a really cool thing and we really like it. Because I think sometimes when you're uh, an indie publisher, like we're all sat at home 
in our like offices or spare rooms or wherever just making games and it, you can feel so detached from people playing it and definitely yeah you know, it being a real thing but then sometimes things like that happen you're like oh it's it's a real thing i did a thing and people <laughs> like it um so i'm really glad you had that experience and um i really enjoyed it um i do have uh some final questions because this whole show is about kind of uplifting indie games and, and sharing them with people. Um, so I'm going to ask uh, the mic to you and ask you if you have any recommendations for any games. And the rules are it can't be D&D because &D, we all know about D&D &D, and it can't be Indeed. a game that you've made. We've just spent the last hour talking about your game. Of course, yes, of course. Yeah, well, I think um, I have I have two that I would like to highlight sure. here. Um, yeah. The the first one, and I think it's I think it's very well known in solo mm -hmm. uh, RPG. Uh, circles and everything but it was what got me into the mm -hmm. understanding how the engine works and it's um it's, it's a game called alone among the stars okay. um which um i can't actually remember the author's name it's a, it's a japanese chap i think okay. um but uh but it's it's so so delightfully incredibly simple and it really is mm -hmm. at the very core of it it's just um, i think it's four uh pages it's a it's a mm -hmm. pdf i think it costs like a dollar or something insane and it's basically just a table for uh, each of the suits of a deck of playing cards. And it was what inspired mm -hmm. Colossal to be powered by playing cards as well. Okay, great. Um, as a lot of solo RPGs are. And mm -hmm. um, and it was basically just stuff you find on on your uh, interplanetary adventures. And it's just this super gentle suit. And it can write as much or as little as you want. And the game hardly gives you anything at all. But it gives you just enough for it to be credited with, with absolutely the genius of, of, mm -hmm. of creating an experience for a player. And... Amazing. Yeah, it's just this little mindful keeping your ship's log as you explore planets. Mm -hmm. So that I wanted to mention that one because of its influence on Colossal. And then the mm -hmm. other one is um, an amazing set of um, Choose Your Own Adventure uh, books mm -hmm. that are okay. actually being um, remastered. So back in, I think it was the 80s, they were called Lone Wolf. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were really cool because I only mm -hmm. played a few of them as a kid. But they had a continuity. So what you did in one carried over to two and three. And it was this long, ongoing, like fantasy novel saga, but one that you played through as the hero. And it mm -hmm. really, it really did embody the idea that you are the hero of a story rather than you turn left at a at a T junction and you get incinerated by a flame. It was like, no, this is a story. They feel really cinematic to play, which is one of the most incredible things about them. Just the opening of the first book. Um, and I can't remember what it's what it's called now, so that's escaped my mind. But anyway, yeah, just look up the, <laughs> yeah. the Lone Wolf series, and you'll see. Yeah. But the opening of the first book is this cinematic experience. It's super, super cool, and um, they're being remastered. They're being remade because the the mm -hmm. chap who wrote them, and I think maybe even illustrated them, can't remember now, has passed away. But his son has okay. sort of picked up the empire and is like redoing mm -hmm. them with new artwork and stuff. And they and I think they're going to be at um, UK Games Expo as well, which is okay. which is super exciting. So yeah, Perfect. that's a, that's another really good one as well. Okay, great. Well, you can go to the, if you're going to the UK Games Expo uh, this week, then you can see them there. You can also see me there at the EM Publishing Stand and also Nick there at the Colossal Stand. So have a wander around and do say hi to us um, and, and tell everybody that you, you heard about it on Not D&D &D as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> on that cheesy tagline note, I might end uh, this week's episode. Nick, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing the game with us. Uh, and congratulations on all your success with it and on how well the current Kickstarter is going. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. And uh, to everyone watching and listening, thank you so much for uh, coming in and listening to the show. Uh, and if you have a link uh, to the Kickstarter and have a look, uh, that would be fantastic because the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their stuff. Um, and on that note, uh, we'll leave this week. We'll be back next Monday with a different creator uh, to tell you about a different tabletop RPG. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye-bye.